as I was saying, today is what is commonly known as Easter or Resurrection Sunday, right? And what, we, what people typically commemorate on this day, of all days, is the resurrection of Christ. But friends, what if I told you that that's an incomplete story? What if I told you that we can't just stop at the resurrection of Christ? Join me in the scriptures. Let's turn to Romans chapter 6. I want to start at verse 8. We're going to be reading this from the Message Bible. And I want you to see what we're talking about here. What we believe is this. So this is talking about what we should actually believe as it pertains to Jesus and what he's done. What we believe is this. If we get what? Say that with me. Come on, preach with me here. If we, if we get what? Included in Christ's sin-conquering death, right? We also get what? Included in his life-saving resurrection. Leave that up for a moment. I want you to think of it this way. This little piece of paper here, if I put it in this iPad, wherever the iPad goes, where does the paper go? Goes with the iPad, right? If I lift this iPad up, what happened to the paper? It's lifted up, right? If I put it down, what happened to the paper? Right? It's still there. It's been put down. My point is this, that what the scripture is actually telling us, friends, and again, this isn't my opinion. I'm not here to give you an opinion. I'm no one as it pertains to what the scripture says. What the word of God declares is this, that what is true of Jesus is true for you and me. And so you see, the scripture is telling us that if we are included in his sin conquering death, something happened at the cross that happened to us. It also tells us that we're also included in his resurrection. What's my point with that? Let's continue to read. It says, we know that Jesus was raised from the dead and it was a signal of the end of death as the end. Never again will death have the last word. When Jesus died, he took sin down with him, but alive he brings God down to us. From now on, think of it this way. Sin speaks a dead language. In other words, it's no longer relative to us, right? God speaks your mother tongue and you hang on every word. You are dead to what? Sin. sin. Listen to what the scripture says. You are dead to sin and alive to God. That's what Jesus did. Amen. Now I want you to think about this. Jesus was crucified for what? What was he crucified for? Was he crucified because he said something that was wrong? Was he crucified because he did something wrong? And listen, friend, whether you believe in Jesus or not, history records the miracles he performed. History attests to the fact that he lived on this earth, that he walked on this earth. History records that he was a man of great notability. People knew him. Right? And scripture records that he was crucified. But what was it for? And it wasn't for doing anything wrong. Friends, according to the scripture, what we see is that Jesus was crucified so that something could die in us. So the same way he was raised up, something could be raised up through us. Amen. My point with that is this. The resurrection of Jesus is not just about Jesus rising from the dead. It's about you and I having the opportunity to get back up. Can I put it to you this way, friend? You ever been down? Anybody ever been down? Yeah. Right? Right? You've been counted out? Right? Gone through some difficult times. Maybe you're going through something now. Here's the truth. That with Christ, even when you're down, friend, you're up. Even when it looks like you're out, friend, you're in. 
Why? Because Jesus now walks with you, and he's in you, and he's leading you to a greater place. And so you see, the death and resurrection of Jesus was not for his benefit. It was for ours. And the issue that robs many of life's full potential isn't sin. Now, I know that sits wrong with some people. I know that for some church people that sits wrong with us because we've been taught and conditioned to believe that sin is the issue, sin is the issue, sin is the issue, sin is the issue. But if Jesus paid the price for sin, then what really is the issue? And friends, the issue isn't sin. The issue isn't our behavior. The issue isn't our thoughts. The issue isn't the things that we struggle with. The issue is what we don't know. What we don't know. I know that it's hard to picture Jesus in modern day times. I know that it's hard because when we read the Bible, it seems like something foreign, something distant, something abstract. But friends, the scriptural record is an indication of what Jesus would still be doing today, what he is doing today. See, friends, Jesus is walking with you when your car breaks down. Jesus is still in the business of restoring families. Jesus is still in the business of healing and raising people back to life. Jesus is still in the business of redeeming people. Jesus is still in the business of bringing you back from your worst setback and showing you that he's really got you on a comeback. Listen, I can understand struggling to believe in Jesus if it was because he had my worst interest in mind. But I want you to consider that what Jesus offers us is not to hurt us. It's to help us. You know, when Jesus was crucified, three days after he was crucified, it was a morning kind of like the one today, right? People were just kind of going about their days, but there were a few people that were distraught, man. They were broken. They were hurting. And the reason why they were distraught, why they were struggling, why they were hurting is because they had put their hope and their confidence in Jesus Christ, not just as a teacher, but as the Messiah. Here's what that simply means. God's chosen one sent to help humanity, to give us a different way for life, to restore us and redeem us. Now, the word redemption might sound like a churchy word, but here's what it actually means. It means to pay a price to get you back to the place where you were always intended to be. And so Jesus did not pay a price just to forgive sin. Jesus paid a price to make it possible for us to have a new and enriched life a good life, a blessed life, a life where we can walk in the goodness of God, where we can have peace with God and peace with men. That's the intention that he's always had. But if you don't know that, if we're not aware of that, then what good is the help that God offers us? So on this day, three days after his crucifixion, he's been resurrected. And I'm going to give you some backstory to where we're going to be going today. These, uh, there were these two women that went to the tomb, and they went there with spices, Luke 24 records. And what's interesting is that they were going there with spices to preserve a dead body. I want you to think about that. They wanted to hold on to a corpse. They wanted to hold on to something that in the natural was lifeless. And so they go there with their spices, and when they get there, the tomb is open, and they're shocked, and they walk in, and the scripture says that two angels present themselves to them, and they say this. They say, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? Friend, you ever look for some life in dead places? 
You ever turn to people, to things, to circumstances, to opportunities? And man, this is the greatest thing, but it doesn't produce anything in your life. It doesn't fulfill you. It doesn't change anything. It doesn't renew you. It doesn't help you in the long run. That's a dead place. And so these women go there trying to preserve a, a corpse. And they hear that the Savior, that Jesus is risen. Just like just as he had told them previously. And so they go running back and they go to the disciples and they say, he's alive, he's alive, he's risen. We had this encounter. They give them all the details. And the scripture says this, that two of those disciples left Jerusalem where they got this good news and they went in the opposite direction. They went to a village called Emmaus. Now, let me ask you a question. Why would anyone in their right mind turn away from good news why would you go in the opposite direction of something that God has done let me tell you why we would do that because we don't know what he's done we don't know what he's done and I'm telling you I know for some of us this is all new maybe you were invited and you know church is not your thing and Jesus is not your thing but the greatest lie ever told is that this is about subjecting us to a religion and to rules. No, this is about setting us free to a real relationship with God. And so these guys are walking in the opposite direction to this place called Emmaus. And the scripture records that they, it was a seven-mile journey, so it was going to take them a while, right? And so as they're walking, the scripture records that they are lamenting what happened. They are distraught. They are disappointed. And the scripture says that they reasoned with one another. In the Greek, here's what it's actually saying. That they were disputing. They were contesting. They were going against what they thought they knew. In other words, they're complaining. They're sobbing. They're sad. They're disappointed. They're angry. Kind of like the guys in the video. Man, I can't even talk about this. He was supposed to be the one. He did all these miracles. Why couldn't he save himself? And so the thing is that as they're lamenting and they're complaining and they're sad and downtrodden and they're hardened in their minds and as they're walking, the scripture says that Jesus walks alongside them on this road. And here's what's interesting. The scripture says that their eyes were restrained. The original Greek language depicts this. It's eyes that are closed by way of your hand. I want you to see what the scripture is actually telling us. These guys could not perceive that it was Jesus because of what they were choosing in life. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. The choices they were making. How they were interpreting their circumstances. How they were processing through this journey. And so they're walking with God and they don't even know it. They don't even know it, friends. They don't realize that the God of all the universe, God himself in the form of a man, subjecting himself to life with us, to pay a price for us because we couldn't pay it. They don't realize that this God who said he was good that would die and rise again, they don't realize that he's walking with them because of their circumstances, because of their hurt, because of their sadness, because of their junk in their heart, because of their mindset. They're missing it. And so Jesus says, what, what, what things are you talking about and why are you so sad? Luke 24, starting at verse 19, records that they said to him, that Jesus said, what things? What things are you talking about? And they responded, the things that happened to Jesus. 
The man from Nazareth. I want you to notice how they disassociate themselves from him. The man from Nazareth. He was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty, what? Teacher. Teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious, religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. And we had hoped that he was the Messiah who would come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. Let's leave that portion of scripture up. I want you to notice that the scripture says that they had hoped that he was the Messiah. What does that tell us? They gave up on him. They gave up on him. You know, friends, this is a story that's still playing out today. We've gone through some difficulties. We have our struggles. We have our doubts. We look at the world which is broken and hurting and we go, man, if God is real, then why is this happening? Friends, God had nothing to do with it. We created this mess. Just look at the news. It'll tell you the truth. We do these things. So why would God allow it? Because God allows us to make choices. He will not impose himself on us. And Jesus did not impose himself on these men. But what he did do was he walked alongside them. You know what that tells us, friends? Whatever your condition, whatever your position, whatever you're going through, no matter your struggles, no matter your hurts, no matter your concerns, no matter your doubts, no matter your rejection of Jesus, no matter that you don't want anything to do with God, God wants everything to do with you, and he's still walking alongside you. He's still walking alongside you. He's still walking alongside us. These disciples, they allowed their hurt to kill their hope. They allowed their hurt to kill their trust in God. They allowed their hurt to lead them into deeper despair. And I would just propose this question for all of us here. Whether you believe in Christ or not, is what you're believing helping you or hurting you? Look at your results. Look at the choices you're making. Are they helping you? Or hurting you? Are they filling you or depleting you? Are they changing you or changing you for the worse? I would say this, friends. No matter who we are, God is faithful and He's been walking with you the whole way. It doesn't make sense in the natural because we go by natural things, we go by what we see, by what we hear. But you know that time where you said, I don't know how we're going to make it. I don't know if my baby's going to make it out this hospital and they made it out. Yeah, that was God. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how we're going to make it with these kids, how we're going to provide. And somehow it happens. It's not somehow, it's some who. It's God. You know that time where you thought that you were down and you were out and that's it, this is the end, we're going to lose it all, and somehow you made it through? Yeah, some who, Jesus has been walking alongside you every step of the way. Friends, the fact that you woke up and you are breathing, that you have life, that you have strength, that you have gifts, that you have abilities, that you have talents, that you don't even know how you got them and why it happens for you and why it works for you. It's always been God because only God is good. 
people will fail you, money will fail you, possessions will fail you, but Jesus who walks alongside you will never fail you. And here's the thing, that he's walking alongside us, and here's what he's trying to do. Help us. Help us. Now here's a question to consider. What are you doing now in life? What, what journey are you on right now in life? What steps are you taking? What choices are you making that you are unaware of God's helping hand? He wants to help you there. So the scripture records that they end up getting to Emmaus and Jesus intends to continue to walk on the journey, to keep going down this road, right? And these guys go, whoa, 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 no, 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 stay with us. And while he's walking on this journey with them, the scripture records that he was telling them everything that the prophets and the writings of Moses declared about the Messiah, things that they'd never seen. You know what that tells us? Even church people, we can miss Jesus. We don't see it. We don't see him. And so they beg him to stay with them, and he decides he's going to stay with them. And the scripture says that he sits down to eat with them. Luke 24, starting at verse 30, says that as they sat down to eat, he did this. He took bread, and he blessed it. Now, this is an important moment, because if you follow the scriptural record, what you'll find is that a few days before he was crucified, Jesus shared one final meal with his disciples. And here's what he did. He took bread, the scripture says, and he broke it. And he says, this bread is my body, which is broken for you. Now, let's put that in modern terms. This dude is bugging out. What is he talking about bread and broken and he's bread? And am I supposed to take a bite from you? You know, this is weird stuff. It made no sense. Absolutely no sense. Fast forward. They're with Jesus, they're unaware of it, and he takes bread and he blesses it and he breaks it. Back then, before he was crucified, Jesus told them this, do this in remembrance of me. Every time you take this bread and you break it, let it remind you that I was broken for you. So here in this moment, Jesus blesses this bread, he breaks it, and then he gives it to them. And watch what happens. Suddenly, their eyes were open, and they what? They recognized him. They realized it's true what he said. He was broken, but there was a reason why he was broken. He was broken so that he could be raised, so that I could be raised. He was broken so that I could be made whole. And all of a sudden, all these verses, all this truth that he began to speak to them on the road comes to life. Scriptures possibly like the one where it says that we were broken for him. He was bruised for our transgression. He was chastised for our iniquity. The, the punishment for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes, by the breaking, by the lashes on his back, we are healed. All these things come to life and they realize it's true. And at that moment, the scripture says he disappeared. But that's not bad news. Watch this. It says, then they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? When the scripture says that they, that they told themselves that their hearts burned within them, in the Greek, here's what it's saying, that there was a consuming fire that began to work in their hearts. Here's what it's talking about. Every doubt melted away. Every fear dissipated. Every concern, every worry, everything that kept them stuck was addressed because they knew that he had been walking with them the whole time. Friends, 
Could it be that God's trying to get your attention? Could it be that God actually walks with you whether you want him or not? Could it be that no matter how much you scheme, no matter how much you connive, no matter how you conjure up your plans to do it your way, he's walking with you the whole way, he's talking to you, but we're just blinded by our circumstances. You know what this teaches us? That anything that causes us to miss God's help will ultimately lead us into deeper hurt. Anything that we hold on to, that we focus our attention on, that leads us away, that causes us to miss God's help, will ultimately lead us to deeper hurt. What's the point, friends? As long as you're unaware of what God is doing and, he's, and that he's walking with you, you'll always end up in a messed up situation. It won't fulfill us. It won't work. It won't. And so there's a couple of things that we see as a result of these verses, of this, of this, uh, this record in the Bible. And I want to propose to you some things to consider, but also to apply. Like we really got to do something with the scriptures. We really have to allow it to work in our hearts and begin to transform our minds. So don't just go by what I'm telling you. You got to go back and you got to dig into this. I would encourage you today, go look at Luke 24. Go look at Luke 23, Luke 24. Just check it out for yourself. Don't take my word for it. The first thing that I want to encourage us to consider and to apply is that no matter what, this, everybody say this. this. Whatever this is, no matter what, this is not the end of your story. Amen. Let me say that again. No matter what, this is not the end of your story. Whatever it is, whatever this is, is not the end of your story. You may have had a, a rough upbringing. You may be going through some difficult times. You may not know how you're going to make it. You may not believe in God. You may be curious about God. You may have rejected God. You may have grown up in church like I did and walked away from church because you loved Jesus, but you hated the church. Been there. Been there. But no matter what, this is not the end of your road, of your story. When Jesus died, if you study this out, what you'll see is that something died in these men. You see, life was hard. Rome was harsh, and they proved that they were even harsher in his crucifixion, right? Everything that they had hoped was, was now taken from them. Life made no sense. They were confused. Think about this. You saw this man raise the dead. You saw this man heal people. You saw this man see a woman who's about to be stoned because she's been condemned because the law says she was in adultery so she's supposed to die. And Jesus shows up and he says, whoever among you is, uh, is not guilty of any sin, you throw the first stone. While she was, readily, uh, while she was rightly uh, um, uh, guilty and worthy of death according to Jewish law, Jesus made a way, and he said, we're all guilty. And so you've seen all this, and now you see him on a cross. And things began to die in them. Hope began to die in them. And so they left Jerusalem, the place where they got the good news that he was risen. Why? Because to them, this couldn't be true. For them, Jesus dying on the cross was the end of the road, and they gave up. Friends, but there's good news. He didn't just die on the cross. 
he rose again. Why would he rise again? You see, in redeeming us, what he was doing was paying a price for all mankind. Simply put, we messed it up. Now, if I broke your car window, who's paying for it? I'm paying for it, right? <laughs> he wants to hit me right now. <laughs> right? Do you see how our logic works? If you broke it, you bought it. Right? If you did it, you got to pay for it. You got to make up for it. That's the way it works with God. Men messed it up. Some, a man had to fix it, but we can't because we will mess it up again. And so God came in the form of a man, paid the price for sin, though he was not guilty of it, and then he rose again. Why? Because he wanted men to rise again to a new life. You know what that tells us? He wants you and I to get back up. He wants us to believe again. He wants us to hope again. He wants us to trust again. He wants us to see that there's better than what we think and what we know and what we've been through. And so I love what Isaiah chapter 1 verse 18 says. This was written 800 years before Jesus was born. This has been attested and these have actually been found. This is what's known as the Dead Sea Scrolls. Right? And if you read the book of Isaiah, it tells us all about Jesus. It tells us how he would die. It tells us that he would rise again. It tells us the purpose for it. This was all written before he, he, he ever hit the, hit the scene. And watch what it says in verse 18. It says, come now, let us settle this matter. In other words, let me deal with your doubt. Let me deal with what you think this is all about. Let me actually show you what this is about. He says, though your sins are like scarlet, and they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Let's leave that right there for a moment. You know what this is talking about? This is talking about one and the same thing. When it says, um, though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. Here's what it's talking about. In those days, there was a certain bug that they would take that they would crush. And the reason why they would crush this, this, this bug is to get its blood. Because its blood, when you applied it to cloth, would dye it, and you could not undo it. There was no way of removing that stain. And so what the scripture is saying here is this. Here's the good news. Though you've messed up, though you've, you, though you've made a mess of your life at times, though you've done things wrong, though you, there are things that, you, that, that, that you've done in your life and in your past that you can't change, I, on the other hand, wipe the slate clean. I remove the guilt of that in your life. I remove the shame of it in your life. Now, here's where we struggle. We don't know what God has done. And so we continue in condemnation. We live with guilt. We run in shame. We struggle through life. But he says, I'm settling the matter. And so he goes on to say, if you are willing and obedient. Willing and obedient to do what? Willing to, know, to receive this? that I'm saying this to you, and obedient to know it as truth. Watch what it says. You will eat the good things of the land. Here's what God is saying to you and I. If you would just trust that I'm walking with you and I've got better plans for your life, you would find a good land. You would find a good harvest. You would experience better things. You would find joy in, in life. You would discover marriage in a different way. You would be a better parent. You would uh, see restoration in your home. You would find the hope that you've been missing the whole time. The second thing that we see here is this. <laughs> no matter what you think about God, think bigger. 
Think about this. Oftentimes, the reason why we give up on God is because we think he's reached his limit. Like, this is too big a problem. I've made too many mistakes. I've dropped the ball too many times. So much so that I believe God can't. And I'm not good enough. And you know, that happens to us when we magnify our circumstances. Everybody do this with me. Take your little thumb. Right? I know it's your biggest finger there, right? Take your little thumb. And I want you to close your left eye. And I want you to take this thumb and put it right up close to your eye. Isn't that interesting how this thumb has the ability to block out the whole room? You know, that's what we do with life's circumstances. We get so up close and personal with them that we allow them to stop us from what God is trying to do to help us. We miss it. We miss it. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9 says something powerful about what's behind that thumb. It says, but as it is written, what I did not see and ear did not hear and what never entered the heart, the, the, the human mind, God prepared for those who love him. Get this, while you were messing up, God already had a message for your life, right? While you were struggling in certain things, God already had a plan to make it up. Listen, you may be down, but friend, you are not out. You may have stumbled, but you are on a comeback, not a setback. God is for you, and he has great plans for your life. But you see, the thing is this. We can't go by what we see. What's the story that you keep telling yourself? What's the picture you keep seeing based on your circumstances and your experience? What does your hurt remind you of? That's a lie. God wants you to see something different. The last point I want to give you is that God can't help you with what you still hold. These guys left Jerusalem. They turned away from the place of good news. And here's what they took with them on the journey. Hurt. They took hopelessness. They took disappointment. And they're carrying this with them. And they're holding it. And Jesus is walking with them. I mean, everything seemed lost. There was no point to believing there was no point to trusting anything he had said before. Everything he had done previously didn't matter in this moment to them. And it was because they tried to take control of their circumstances by holding on to their hurt. I'm reminded of a story I heard once of how they used to catch monkeys. There's a certain part of the world where monkeys are some sort of delicacy, I guess. And back in those days, before they had all these, you know, advancements in technology, what they used to do was they would hunt them with coconuts. And because these monkeys were so fast and so smart, what they did was they would take coconuts that were hanging, they wouldn't pull them off, and they would drill a hole in them. And then they would stuff them with something that all monkeys liked, a certain type of rice. 
And the hole was big enough, just big enough for them to get their hand in the hole. So the monkeys are swinging by, right? And they can't catch them, and these trappers are watching them. And all of a sudden, here's what would happen. A monkey would swing by and catch a whiff of that coconut and catch a whiff of that rice, and they would come towards the coconut, and they would kind of look at it and pull it and examine it, and then they'd see a hole. And they would stick their hand in the hole. They would squeeze their hand in. But you see, once their hand was in this coconut, here's what would happen. They would latch onto that rice, and they would become their own trap. Why? Because they were so consumed with what they were holding that they didn't realize that if they just let go, they would be free. And at that moment, those monkeys would be trapped by their own hand. Because these trappers would literally just scoop them up and get the cooking. What's my point with that, friends? What might you be holding on to that's your own trap? Here's what Jesus says to us. I'm right here with you. Would you let go? Would you let go of that thing that you know doesn't work? Would you let go of that thing where you know you need help but you're rejecting me? Would you let go of those things that are weighing you down, that keep you up at night, that cause you to struggle, that make life more difficult? Would you open your hand and receive my heart? Would you receive my help? Would you receive my purposes? Friends, the reason why this all is necessary for us to consider is because it's time to hope again. It's time to hope again. Look, I get it. When we hear these records in the, from the Bible, it almost sounds too good to be true. Man, that's a, that's a cool story. It's a cool story. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jesus, yeah, he rose from the dead. For those of you that have been around here any length of time, you know that about a year and a half ago, maybe a little bit longer, at the age of 46 years old, I found myself in a predicament that I never thought I would encounter. 46 years old, healthy, strong, and all of a sudden I started experiencing these back pains. And I, I, I thought, ah, I'll just go to the chiropractor, you know, they'll work it out. And I kept going and nothing was happening, but this back pain kept increasing. And then one particular night, my wife was here at the church. She was working with some of our teams, doing some stuff. And I was at home, and I remember, I, I, I remember just, I wasn't feeling good, and I just felt all this pressure. So I called my wife, and I said, honey, I'm going to head to the hospital. She goes, what's going on? I said, I don't know, but this pain in my back, it's, it's more than just pain, and I'm, I'm, I feel like I can't breathe. So my wife puts an S on her chest, right? Come on, give it up for some heroes, right? Ladies, you are heroes. Gentlemen, you are heroes, right? My wife jumps in the car. She goes, you're not going anywhere. I'm coming. And she comes to the hospital. She sees me. She goes, this is not good. We get in the car. She drives me to the hospital. And you got to keep in mind that this was at the height of COVID. So everything was like magnified. So I walk into the hospital and they treated me like I, like I had the plague. Right? It turns out when I get there, they said, you're not going anywhere. Your oxygen levels are too low. I had a double pneumonia. Both my lungs. So bad that I couldn't breathe. It was so bad that even when they gave me air, oxygen, I was struggling to breathe. And I don't wish that on my worst enemy because to not be able to take a breath, it is the scariest thing that you could go through. And I found myself in the hospital for seven days fighting for life. 
fighting for a next breath, scared. And in the, my heart and in my mind, I kept saying, God, why is this happening to me? God, why am I going through this? God, how can this happen when your word tells me that by your stripes I have been healed? What is this? And I felt like somehow God was absent. I was struggling, man. And I remember one particular night, I'm hitting the button because I'm having one of those episodes where I'm coughing, I'm hacking a lung, man, and I feel like I'm going to die. And nobody's answering. And the more I press, the more anxious I get, and the less I can breathe. And all of a sudden, I, I, in my mind, I'm saying, this is it. This, this is the moment. I'm not going to make it. And I'm thinking about my wife. I'm thinking about my kids. I'm thinking about the church. I'm thinking about life. And I'm going, no, this can't be. And I'm struggling. I'm saying, God, please help. And all of a sudden, a scripture pops into my mind. And I'll tell you, I had, I've read it years ago, but I, it wasn't anything that I had memorized or, or knew off the top of my head. But when I heard it, I knew what scripture it was. Job 33 says this, I am the God who made you and gave you the breath of life. And at that moment, as I'm struggling and fighting to breathe, fighting for life, questioning everything and turning to God, that scripture rises up in me. And, I, and, and in my mind, I tell myself, wait. God, you created me and you gave me lungs to breathe. And you created me with a purpose so this can't be the end. And I began to pray and all of a sudden, my lungs, which were literally constricted, all of a sudden opened up. And I began to breathe. And then the nurse shows up. I'm not knocking the nurse, but what I will tell you is this. God is closer than the breath that you breathe, the air that you breathe. He's with you every step of the way, friends. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for joining us here at Church of the Bridge today. I pray that you had a personal encounter with God, that he spoke to you powerfully, and that he met you at your place of need with this message. I also want to encourage you to go ahead and subscribe to our YouTube page. By doing so, you'll be able to check out past messages, uh, past events that we've done. You'll also be able to see what's happening now and those things that are to come. And lastly, I'd like to invite you to join with us in all that God is doing with your giving. Feel free to do so on our website. Again, thank you again for joining us, and I can't wait to connect with you next week.